Welcome back to Inside the System, episode 12, kicking off season two. This is the podcast style space where I interview your favorite creators to help you get an inside peek into the inner workings of how they grow their personal brands and business. Thank you, everyone, for being here. And returning for round two, we have the legend Sam Ocean. Sam Ocean is a marketing expert, for those of you who don't know, with years of experience under his belt. And after dropping out of college, he landed a job at Mind Valley in Malaysia where he discovered his passion for marketing and sales. But after sneaking into a meeting, he was inspired by the CEO's announcement of making half a million in 24 hours and made it his lifelong mission to learn and master the art of marketing. And since then, for nine years, he's helped individuals and businesses achieve their marketing goals. And Sam is now a sought-after expert and recognized authority in his field, partnering with well-known creators like LB and Digital Jeff. And today he joins us to share the insights on how to build a personal brand that you can scale to 100k and so in today's episode we'll be talking about how to reach a revenue of 100k per month and the challenges that arise uh, along that way we'll talk the strategies uh, the stages that are involved in the process and journey and how you can increase your leverage optimize your funnels and overcome constraints now let's get into it sam thank you for being here today always a pleasure to speak with you how are you man Bro, if I could only think about myself the way you just spoke about me, I'd be on a totally different level. I'm doing fantastic, V. Thank you. It's nice to hear that, man. Well, <laughs> let's, uh, let's dive right into it. I was thinking we should start at the top. Uh, the topic of focus is scaling. And generally, we think of scaling as growth, but that's the simplified version. So I wanted to ask you, what's your definition of scaling? What does that look like for you? Amazing, man. And first of all, I just want to thank you because I'm known as the offer guy, but the offer is just an equation in this whole uh, picture. And so I always say this up front, which is I myself as Sam Ocean have never hit 100K a month for myself. My career has always been helping other people do it because they would pay me to do it. And so it's just been very recently where it's like, man, it's time to do this for myself. So I have a lot of experience doing this for others. Um, I've seen both the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you are seeing me in real time go into how I plan to do this for myself, which we'll get into later. And so one of the most interesting things about this is the, the word scaling. I don't think a lot of people truly understand what that means. We all might have different definitions, but I see the word thrown out uh, in the incorrect context. And so <clears throat> the, the definition of scaling is less of an outcome it is not something you say when someone hits a million dollars or they have something going viral. The definition of scaling comes down to a system. It is a process. And so scaling is about what you put in and what you get out. So a, uh, a system that is not scalable, right? It's where the input and the output is linear. So to make this simple, if you put in one input of energy or one input of work, you will get out one output of result, right? Um, <clears throat> scaling is when you can create a system that breaks the linear connection, which is you put one input of work into the machine and the machine produces 10 outputs of result. And so once you crack that, the moment you go from one input giving you more than one output, you have achieved scale. And then the key is how big can you go, right? A very simple explanation is if you are building a newsletter. A newsletter is a scalable system because at the start, you might only have 100 people on your list. 
So you write one email and it goes to a hundred people. After a couple years, you might have 10,000 people on your list. Well, guess what? You don't have to write any more emails. You're still writing that one email and now it's reaching 10,000 people. So this is why personal branding and audience building is one of the most scalable things that you can focus on because it usually comes down to that. So does that definition make sense, V? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And thanks for using the example of email because I think that's an easy one to understand. Yeah. You, you definitely keep doing the same thing, uh, weekly newsletters and so on. Definitely. And so the I think the three most scalable things in a business, and the reason I love to talk about this is because it starts to force people to think not about doing harder work or more work, but to do smarter work. Scaling is a... Uh, it's a thing that happens when you get strategic and you get smart. You cannot force scaling with more action or more hustle. That's the crux of this whole thing because hustle is linear. The more you hustle, you might get more output, but when you stop hustling, the output also stops. And when I say output, I mean results. So the three most scalable things are audience building, AKA a list. So on any social media platform, it is that follower count. Um, it is an actual email list or database, whether they're people who opted in for a lead magnet or bought a product. Your goal is to grow that number as high as humanly possible and with the, the highest quality possible. That's number one. Number two is offer creation. This is why I love offers, because outside of audience building, the offer is what's going to scale for you. So an example is if you have a YouTube or sorry, uh, let's just use Twitter. If you have a Gumroad course, 50 bucks and you just have the link in your bio and your audience uh, is starting to grow and your content's getting out there, you make sales in your sleep, right? You build the product once and it sells over and over and over. So that's another uh, example of scaling. The final one, which is the least sexiest, but um, probably the most sexy once you nail it, is product improvement. So <clears throat> Hormozy, he will talk about there are six ways to get customers. And he talks about like one through five, which I can't even remember. Number six is what he calls referral in word of mouth. Now he emphasizes, a lot of people forget this, but he emphasizes number six because it's the only non-linear way to uh, get customers and scale when it comes to uh, the product side of things, which is why in his portfolio companies, one of the number one strategies he will do is to go implement uh, this part of the business so he can tap into the referrals in the word of mouth because <laughs> that's one you just have a good product, you improve it once, give a good experience, and then you got one customer who's going to go tell one friend who tells another friend, and then they tell two friends. It's unmeasurable, it's uncontrollable, but that's exactly what you want for your business. So it is audience building, offer creation, product improvement. He calls it quadratic growth, which is just like the opposite of linear. So those are the three things that we would typically focus on if you want to scale up to a big number like 100K a month. If you had to choose between, uh, let's say all three of them were a decent position, which one would you hone down on uh, personally for yourself? So let me tell you what I did, right? When you, you mentioned that story where I saw the company do half a million dollars in a day. And the crux of that story is how normal it was. Like that was a normal day for them. So what I found out was it was like the copywriters and the people who made the offers. So I made it my lifelong mission to learn offer creation and it worked right? That is one of the key elements. However, <laughs> there is something that is more important than that. And it hurts my ego to say this because I already spent so much time doing it. Um, all I can do is accept it moving forward is traffic, exposure, and reach is more important than the offer creation. 
Um, so in business, like one of the most valuable assets you can have is distribution. So I'm pretty sure investors will actually look at distribution as the number one most valuable thing you can have. For example, why some dude offered a billion dollars for Mr. Beast's YouTube channel, right? His, his product stack and how he monetizes, I mean, it's not super clear, but the reach he has, that's what's valuable. So if I could go back, and this is what I'm doing now with my personal brand, is how can I start to build that distribution? But not only that, how can I just get skilled at it? Because even if you're not a marketer, like you need to learn this stuff so you can grow your own business or at least just make enough money so you can go hire someone like me X number of years ago to do it for you. And on that note, you know, the, uh, you, when we talked in the DMs, you were talking about a, in a previous agency, I think you ran, um, where you came to issues as you were scaling. And the other thing is how you maximized uh, things for a digital Jeff uh, when, uh, from growing from, from 70K a year. So I was curious how you implemented those three for him because I know now he's grown so much more. Got it. So yeah, this, this is interesting because it was two years ago where I finally took the entrepreneurial leap. So it goes back to like, I've helped people do this before, but I've never done it for myself because it's much easier to just get a paycheck, you know, today for, you know, 5k, 8k and then do it for someone else. When I start to do it for myself, it's like, man, I don't know when it's going to hit because I'm starting from scratch. So two years ago, I finally did it. Um, I was, I built a marketing agency doing this stuff for people and I was able to hit about $27,000 a month as a solopreneur. So awesome, cool. I had people in my DMs. There's a wait list. The issue is it wasn't scalable. The output equation that I mentioned before at the beginning, it was linear. So it was entirely based on me having to crush it and do work because there was a lot of expectations too. So that was my first lesson in like, man, I have all these people who want to pay me money. Um, and I'm currently doing it, but like, there's, there's more to it. I didn't have any systems at that point, which we'll get into this V, but there's like four stages between $0 a month up to a hundred thousand dollars a month. And I got stuck at what I would call the final stage. Right. So, um, <clears throat> that's, that's one of the harsh lessons I learned is how you have marketing problems and systems problems. And when you're below about 30 K a month, uh, you have a marketing problem. Once you get around 30K a month, you then switch into, you have a systems problem. Solving the systems problem is way easier than solving the marketing problem. Um, the marketing problem is like, what is the messaging? What is the positioning? What's the offer that people want? That stuff's not easy. But once you crack that code, building a system, as you know, is much easier, I think, than cracking an offer for the first time. So with that said, I learned, okay, I have a marketing problem. Or no, I have, I have both. I don't want to build an agency. I can, I can do that, but that's not what I want to do. Cause that business sucks. Like I don't, I don't want to have six other bosses. Right. Um, so I was like, how can I solve the marketing problem without having to actually be the person who does it? The marketing problem is the offer and the traffic. So I didn't have a personal brand. I didn't have any of that. So what I did was I was like, okay, I need to go find somebody who does have the traffic and then 90% of the equations already solved. So that's how digital Jeff came into the picture. Like he had attention, he was posting content, he loved to post content, he had 40,000 followers, and he had a lot of uh, demand built up for 
you know, his brain, his skill set, services, but he didn't know how to put it all together. So I'm like, aha, this is the model. I partner with him. He brings in the traffic. I do the offer. And then that will generate the money that we can pay someone to then build the systems, which will allow us to just organically grow up to 100K a month. So I'll stop there for a second. Am I on track? Yeah, it's perfect, Sam. Uh, I was going to say, before we touch into stages, since you've mentioned partnerships, I'd love to uh, dive into that and your how you advise people to go about partnerships and determining whether they actually need to as well. Yeah, so I love this discussion because I think, um, so I'm, I still consider myself new to the Twitter world. I'll probably stop saying that like by next month. There's this big discussion about solopreneurship, right? The one person business, which is a brilliant like kind of mindset to have. But I think people aren't thinking deeply enough about this. I think they're taking it too literally, which is they have to kind of do this themselves. They see people like Justin or Matt who are, you know, running these one person businesses at a big level. And I can tell you that is definitely not the norm. It's awesome to strive for that, but that's definitely... Those are definitely unicorn examples. And so in partnerships, what I noticed, so in my career, I never sold a course with my face on it. I never, I didn't really do coaching much. I always did work for other really big businesses. So I've worked with about 15 businesses that do between 100 and 300K a month. And I've worked with three businesses that do between one to 3 million a month. And what I always noticed is there was always someone behind the scenes if there's a face in front, there was always a business partner behind the scenes who had a complementary skill set, and it was always the same stuff. And I was like, aha, if I don't think I'm going to be that big famous person, but I could be that person behind the scenes and still get a big chunk of equity uh, and benefit from the personal brand. So the partnerships that I recommend are if you are a marketer, you usually have two types of marketing, someone who's good at bringing in traffic through something like paid ads. Um, I see Greg is here. He's an interesting case because he is he he can bring in traffic through like podcasts and organic. So there's that type of marketer. And then there's a marketer like me who audience building was never my forte. It's always been once the audience is there, how do we turn those into customers? If you're if you're a traffic guy, then I would recommend you go partner with someone who is like myself, who's a conversion guy. So I can just take all that audience and then turn it into money. If you're somebody like myself, well, the flip side is true also. You can go partner with a traffic guy or you can go partner with an influencer, which is probably one of the things I recommend most. If you're a copywriter, a ghostwriter, just uh, I see Logan's here. If you're anything where you're good at writing words, good at building funnels, uh, good at converting people, your number one problem that you need to solve is where does the traffic come from? This is like the issue 90% of people deal with who are below 30K a month. So if you just go find someone who has that traffic and then you go strike a partnership with them, that is now your traffic too. And that part, which 90% of people struggle with, you don't have to struggle with anymore. So that's my recommendation there. If you are a, let's say a sales guy, you're just good at selling, you're good at getting on the phone and closing deals. I would recommend partnering with a, I would recommend partnering with a copywriter or a traffic guy first because they will build the funnel that gets you the sales calls. The traffic guy will bring in the leads that get you the things. And then you can just strike a, together. You go partner with an influencer um, that you can, that who can build the products per se. So um, if you're none of those, if you are someone who is not a business person, if your niche, 
is like not about Twitter growth or copywriting or traffic. If you're like a fitness coach or a relationship coach, I would recommend you either partner with a traffic person or an offer person like myself. Um, the deal always is me. This is what I go tell people. I will do the marketing, the selling and the operations for you. All you have to do is create content and build products, right? That's, that's the perfect thing. The one, the one thing that I don't recommend, and I, lo I love these three guys. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do is, uh, like the, the growth army guys, right? Glenn, Tatsuki, Dylan, they all have the same skill sets. So when, when you have the same skill sets, that's where it starts to get iffy because who's going to fill in the gaps. You're now splitting equity and profit in so many different ways, and you're still going to need someone to come in and do those other things. So I always recommend find someone who has the opposite skill sets of you and always prioritize traffic. If someone has traffic and audience, go after that person because that's the most valuable thing you can have. I love this, Sam. And uh, the, you gave so many examples of different combinations and ways you can partner with someone, which I like. The question that's left on my mind is the timing of all of this. Uh, so you mentioned below 30K, but I wanted to confirm, is that, uh, are you saying that's the best time like to partner around that time? Do you, if someone's early in, let's say they're, they're a creator is early, right? They make it under 10K a month and they're just only selling like a DFY model. When, at which point do you determine partnering is right? even if they identified who they need. So you're talking about if the creator is making a certain amount per month? I used creator as an example, but it could be anyone. Use whatever example you like. It's just identifying when is the right time to partner with someone after you know who. Got it. Okay, so there's two ways to answer this. It's like, when is the right time for you as the person who's trying to build your business and when is the right time for the creator to accept your offer per se. So again, I'll just talk in the context of me, who's a marketer. Um, for me, I actually, what I have actually learned is I've done quite a few partnerships. I have learned that if you're a marketer, you can hustle hard enough to generate initial revenue and then you can just use that revenue to go hire somebody else. And so the whole point, is always between do you hire someone or do you partner with someone? The difference is if you partner with them, you're giving up equity, you're giving up profit share, so you will make less money in the long run, but you will have to do less because you have someone doing it with you. Or you can just hire someone and retain all equity. If you look at someone like Felix Dennis, Playboy, you know, almost billionaire, he says equity and ownership is the most important thing. Try to retain as much equity as possible. I have always broken that rule. For me, I'm always looking for the partnership because I want to, I want to grow and succeed fast, right? I'm always in the mindset of, I would rather have 50% of a million dollars rather than a hundred percent of a hundred thousand. And because I'm always thinking scale, um, if I partner with someone, it should never be a one plus one equals two situation. I'm always trying to find what is the one plus one equals a uh, hundred situation. And you get that by partnering usually with someone with traffic. So for example, with like LB, um, he was already doing, you know, quite a lot of money without us, right? Without me. And it's always a good time for him because when you scale up, you're done for you services. Like that's a lot of work you have to do. You have to go hire some ghostwriters. You have to be responsible for other people's results. There's a lot of pressure involved. I'm not good with pressure, which is why I like partnerships. So I come in and I say, hey, I can help alleviate that pressure by helping you create digital products where there's less pressure to deliver because it's a lower price point. 
And because you have big reach, we can actually start to replace some of that income uh, through digital products. So <laughs> that's an example with LB with Jeff. Jeff was making far less money. He was actually uh, someone who didn't have a way to scale his done for you. So I won't say how much he was making, but he, he wasn't making as much as you might think. But I saw a lot of potential with him. I saw all the elements for a personal brand that could be raking in cash. He just needed the things I had. And so that partnership turned out to be perfect. Um, we got very lucky that he went viral. He went from 40K up to 400K within our first uh, like 30 days of working together. So, you know, lucky me, I guess. Thank you for breaking it down, Sam. Uh, that was super insightful. I guess now we can go into stages. It's something you mentioned and the road to 100K. How would you break that down into stages? Uh, what does that look like for each stage? Perfect. So <clears throat> I'm not too much of an intellectual. I'm not someone who like read a bunch of books, um, but I did read one book that has kind of opened my eyes to how we approach this, which is Ready, Fire, Aim. It's the book I recommend. It's from zero to 100 million in no time flat. And he breaks down how to reach $100 million in like four different stages. And so I spend some time to realize, okay, out of all these people I've worked with, what are like the different stages people get stuck at? And I was able to break it down into four, okay? So the first stage, stage one, is like from zero to 3K. Let's call it 3K a month. And these are rough numbers. Um, this is stage one, and this is where a lot of people are kind of stuck at. The big problem, the reason people can't really crack this stage is usually coming down to they just take the wrong action, okay? This is <laughs> someone who... They take the wrong action or they take no action. So step one, it's a mindset issue. Like you got to get over your fears. You got to take the leap. You got to go do something, right? And even when they start doing something, they just do it so terribly off or so terribly wrong that it's not going to work. So I call it, uh, you have to take decent action. An example is someone who's like trying to network for the first time and they DM you and they say, hey, what's up? Like you could send a thousand of those and it's not going to work. The action you take has to be like, basic. It doesn't have to be good. It just has to be good enough. That's where people get stuck on. And the solution is just like a simple level of education, which there's an unlimited amount of. So if someone hasn't hit like 3k a month, it's typically because they haven't taken the action required. I say this because I hit my first about 3k a month by sending about 50 cold emails to different companies where I rewrote a page of their website and I, I didn't know offers back then. I just knew copywriting was valuable. I rewrote a page in their website, sent it to them. And I said, I hope you like it. That's all I did. I got lucky because two of those people decided to hire me on a retainer, one for 1,500 bucks a month, one for about 2,500. So it was actually 4K. All I did was take enough action, hustle enough, and something turned out of it, right? So that's stage one. Stage two is what I'll typically call between like 3K up to about 10K. So this is when you hit that coveted six-figure mark, which I believe is like 8,300 bucks a month. This one usually comes down to offer. So it's not enough to just take massive action. This is where you have to like dial in your offer even just a little bit. And it usually comes in the form of going after a better audience or raising your price. So when I had two clients... And they were paying me, you know, 2,500 and 1,500. I was working my ass off for those two things. So it's like, I couldn't just go get a third client because then I would be working, I don't know, what felt like 12, 13 hours a day. And that's hard as a creative. So I had to 
dialing my offer just a little bit. I had to go raise my price. I had to go find a way to add better value than just saying, oh, I'm a copywriter. So that's usually an offer problem. Three to 10K um, or hitting your first six figures is usually down to your offer. Stage three, this is like 10K up to 30K a month. This is usually related to traffic. So you can get to 10K without a lot of traffic. I did it without ever having a personal brand. I mean, I hit my 27 without having a personal brand. A lot of it was just networking and word of mouth. Like I didn't even have a Facebook or a Twitter account back then. So <clears throat> this is traffic. And again, you don't need a ton of traffic. You don't need to be famous, but paired with a strong offer, paired with taking action every day, you just need a little bit more traffic, a little bit more exposure, um, a little bit more leads, and you can easily go from about 10 up to 30, depending on your niche or how you deliver. So the final stage is 30 up to 100. This is where you don't really have a marketing problem anymore. Your offer is dialed in and you have the baseline foundations of your traffic dialed in. It's just a matter of kind of like cranking things up. Now, what typically happens here is now you're dealing with the systems problem. And so the, the, the way you scale this is by getting better systems, which is much easier to solve than trafficker offers. And the system is usually related to delivery. So when I was doing about 27K, I was stuck because again, I'm working like 12, 13 hours a day. Um, I, like, I can't handle the pressure anymore. And I was the one who had to deliver. So this is usually when you try to remove yourself out of the delivery while still getting good results for your clients. So this is where the ghostwriter agency starts to hire their first ghostwriter. It's as simple as that, but um, there's a few more details, as you know, V. These are like the four stages I see, and the reason it's at those numbers, this is just what I've noticed, but there is a, I see Nick Peterson is here. He's one of my biggest mentors who actually taught me this. It's the rule of three and 10, which was made famous by some Japanese uh, CEO of some e-com company, which is a system usually breaks at multiples of three and, and 10. And when I look back at my life, I'm like, oh man, that seems to be right. Like 3K, 10K, 30K and 100K are when like things start to break. And so <clears throat> the funny thing I've noticed is it takes a long time to get up to 30K sometimes. I see people breeze from 30 up to 100 very fast. Once they solve that systems issue, they like, I, I barely meet people who are at like 40K, 50K, 60K, 70K. It's always like 30 to 100 very quick. Cause once you get that system dialed in, you now have achieved scale in my opinion. And that is super interesting um, th that you point that out because I was thinking to myself that uh, it seems once you reach stage four, that's the, the growth rate to hundred. It, it takes the larger portion of the journey. If we would say that and pretty much uh, it, it's literally a element of all the previous three as well uh, from my understanding. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I can, I can tell you this. It's funny because I got into marketing and I kept working with all these big companies, but what I noticed with like 90% of them is they didn't really have marketing issues. They had systems issues. It was like everything happening inside that was preventing them from scale. For example, a product that just wasn't good enough, right? The retention was a little bit too low or the efficiency of the team was not good enough. And, you know, employees would quit and we'd waste time finding the next employee. 
and we didn't have a system for finding a good one. Like it was all these little things. I'm like, you don't need more leads. You don't need more conversions. You need to fix all of this stuff. So that's why I got so obsessed with systems. It's why I can speak your language, V. Um, but I, my brain, my brain doesn't work that way. This is why I think what you have is very valuable. If you go target someone who's at that hundred K a month mark, because all those founders think they need more marketing and more leads. What they really need is they just need a better system. Appreciate that, Sam. And you have given me clarity um, on something that I've thought about before, but never seen it in this kind of way. Uh, I have noticed that working with clients who are doing better in their journey and growing, uh, making more money, usually only need smaller optimizations. And it, may, it makes a bigger difference for them as opposed to um, someone who's in the stage one and stage two. And on that uh, point, I just want to say this. If anyone is stuck on stage two, and that was the 3K to 10K mark a month, and they need help dialing an offer, I had done a previous episode, episode six. You can find it in the link in my bio with Sam. And we talked about offers. That was our uh, first round together. And now we're talking higher level. Uh, so I just want to say that. Another thing is I want to remind the listeners take notes and prepare any questions that you might have for the Q&A phase later on. We've still got another good half an hour, but just make sure you write your questions out so then you can quickly come on and ask those questions. Anyway, back with you, Sam. And we've broken down the stages and I wanted to talk about the three areas that you mentioned to me when we uh, talked in the messaging and that was traffic, offer and product. Do you want to dive deeper into that? and how that relates to, to the whole journey of scaling as well. Yeah, for sure. So I always like to try to take the 30,000 foot view. It's why I talk about the definition of scaling. Some of the things I've seen just based on experience, uh, which the data keeps adding up, it seems. And then we're now going deeper. So if when we're talking about the stages, right, there are a certain amount of people at each, each stage. So there's always the most who are at like zero to three. There's a little bit less who's from three to 10. And then it starts to become very unequally distributed. There's like far less, like I'd probably say like less than a percent who are dealing with like, you know, 10K, 30K and beyond. Um, with that said, it's like, what do, you, what do we actually have to do? We'll get into that. But again, the three things you want to be focused on are the traffic, the offer, and the product. These things are the scalable things. They're the big needle movers. So if you ever don't know what you need to do, you can never go wrong by pouring into your audience. You can never go wrong by optimizing your offer. And you can never go wrong by making your product better because the outcome of doing those things are usually a result that happens um, from scale, if that makes sense. So traffic, there are, I, I look at it as three ways, right? You might have heard this before. <clears throat> there's three types of traffic. There is uh, paid traffic, there's owned traffic, and there's earned traffic. You might have heard something like paid advertising, affiliate traffic, or organic traffic. It's very similar. Paid traffic is where you literally pay someone or something, and then they send you eyeballs. Uh, Twitter ads is that. A paid retweet is that. Getting sponsored in Justin Welsh's newsletter is that. And then you have uh, owned traffic. The best example is your email list. You own that, nobody else. Of course, some work had to happen to build that in the first place, but now you own it. Your follower count, you it, it's technically owned traffic, even though the platform kind of owns it. But uh, this is one of the best forms of traffic you can have because it's free and you don't need anyone's permission to do what you want with it. The final one is earned traffic. This is what we're all doing here on Twitter is like, 
you put value into the market and either the Twitter platform sends you more engagement or more views or uh, V invites me onto this space and now I get to access to more people who didn't know me before. And if I say something cool, they start to follow me. That's earned. And so these are the only ways you can get traffic. And if you're starting out in the zero to kind of 30K a month, forget it, let's go zero to like 10. One of the best ways that I recommend starting with is one, start the slow and long journey of building your personal brand so you can start to get that uh, wheel turning for you so you can start to build your own traffic, which is like your list, your follower count, your engaged audience. Two, the fastest way to do that is to go tap into other people's audiences. Like traffic is a killer problem. A lot of people who think they have these other problems, it's literally because they don't have enough leads. I was talking to Chris Lobb here the other day who used to coach like at the highest level with one of the biggest companies. And the number one problem that he would see with the clients is like they have an offer, they have a product, but they don't have enough people seeing it, right? And so the best way and the fastest way is to just go ask yourself, who has the attention of your market already? Make a list of them and then find a way to get them to point at you. Find a way to get them to say your name. I always say there are no shortcuts unless you know the right people. And I give the example of Mr. Beast. Again, it's a unicorn example, but it's true. Whereas imagine if Mr. Beast pointed at your Twitter profile for five seconds and said, hey guys, you should go check out this person. Your life would change overnight. He has, he has been proven to take YouTube channels from zero to a million subscribers in under 24 hours just by saying that YouTuber's name. That, like, that to me is the hack that people should be learning, which comes down to network. It comes down to access. It comes down to being an enjoyable person. So those other people who have the leverage, who have done the work, um, they can now start to lend you their audience and send it to you. To me, that's the fastest way to tap into this stuff. Um, do that in parallel with an organic content strategy. So Twitter, it would be post content and then find a way to like get on spaces or network with people who have that audience you want. So that's one. Uh, any thoughts or questions there, V? No, I was about to ask for an example. But you you kind of gave it uh, with the Twitter one. And I assume that even if you chose to get the attention in a negative way or th through polarization, um, that would also work, right? Yeah, it's um, po polarization is interesting because I've never, it's such a great strategy, but there's some pros and cons, of course. I see very few people pull it off good because it has to, you have to be an actual polarizing person or you're going to come off as a tool. So polarization, you're going to get haters. But what's cool about that is there are other people who hate those haters and they're going to follow you um, because they see you're repelling the same people that they also want to repel. So it's something I haven't tapped into. I haven't needed to. I'm actually a little bit worried about doing it just for myself because that's just kind of who I am. But uh, yeah, you know, if I was starting over, if I have a service, I'm just going to cold email as many people as I can. If I have a coaching program, I'm going to create content and I'm going to do spaces. Makes sense. And thanks for your input on that as well. Um, yeah. Do you want to move on to the second one? Yeah. So the second one is um, offer, right? So once you have the traffic, which again, I see as more important than offer, uh, you <laughs> like the offer kind of stems from the traffic, which is kind of like the market, the market you go after. Offer, I break it down into three things. Okay. I break it down into demand, 
ecosystem and ascension. So what do I mean by that? It's like, as a marketer, I can craft an offer in any market, but it doesn't mean that just because Sam with nine years of experience has crafted the offer, it's suddenly going to hit. That's not the case. The, the stark, brutal truth I've come to accept is like how little my offer creation skills have to do with the success of an offer. It's fully, it's like so much of it is based on the actual market and the demand that exists in that market. Um, I see Glenn here, right? He's a good example. I tell people all the time is like, people want followers, people want to monetize. That will never change. Although so many people are offering to help people get followers and monetize, that part is the good part because that's the demand. That's what people want. You need to find a different battlefield to differentiate yourself on. And it's usually how you uh, help people get that demand. So Glenn, he, his offer could literally be a one-page Google document with like a baby picture and said, hey, like, th this is my baby photo and I've done so much, blah, blah, blah. It could make nonsense and people would still buy. And the question is why? Like, why will they still do that? One, a demand already exists. So that's step one. Two, he's built a brand, which is going to be kind of separate from what we're talking about here. But tapping into the demand, find where that demand is. Hormozy has a lot of good points on this. He looks for five things for a good market. And then once you have that, it's then what I call ecosystem, which is how many offers do you make? And at what price points do you price them at? I always say start high and then go low, which is always start with the highest ticket offer you can think of a done for you service for three to 5k a month, a one-on-one -on -one consulting package for one to 2k a month, something like this. The reason goes back to traffic. Traffic is always the number one issue. If you don't have a lot of traffic, then you don't have a lot of opportunity to make a sale. If you don't have a lot of opportunity to make a sale, then each sale you do make needs to be worth it. You know, if you only have, if you can only talk to 10 people a month and only two of them buy, are you going to sell them a $50 course or like a, a $5,000 retainer of something? You know, it makes a more significant impact on your income uh, <clears throat> when you start high. So depending on how big your brand is, if you have low traffic, have a high price point. If you have high traffic, you can now start to open up low price points because it will be worth it. You'll get enough sales. So that's how I recommend people. Um, the final thing is Ascension which is the, one of the true keys to kind of getting up to 100K, even 200, 300K a month, is when you have a series of offers that sell very nicely into each other. It's what we call front-end marketing and back-end marketing. So if you have a digital product, the point is not to make a profit on that product. The point is for someone to go through that and to be like, damn, that was one of the best products I've seen. Imagine how good it will be if I actually pay for their higher priced item. So instead of doing more marketing to get the sale, you are now just having the product do the selling for you. And so that, like that's, that's the offer model I apply with everybody. I love when they have a high ticket service. And what I do is I come and I put something low priced in front of it. And I make that thing so good that when people buy it, a small percentage of them will easily upsell into something high ticket. And th this is kind of the uh, creator model that we like to run with. So that's offer. Uh, does that make sense, V? Yeah, that makes sense. So you, you broke it down into three three areas, the demand, the ecosystem, and ascension. Exactly. And it's like importance of that order. You know, I there are markets I will not go into because 
the demand isn't there or it's, uh, you know, it kind of, it kind of goes up and down too much. So step one, get the demand. Once that's there, I can kind of relax and know whatever I do, it's going to hit as long as it doesn't totally suck. I like that. And it makes sense. I can see definitely the, the pipeline of how it works. And I, I've talked to you about this as well uh, from some books I've been reading uh, on this topic. And that leaves us with the third one, which is a uh, product. So, uh, Perfect. Does that come, play, come into play at the uh, Ascension uh, area as well? Because I know you mentioned you should start with the uh, done-for-you model, but I'm curious how you go about this. Yes. <laughs> so product, again, it's the unsexy thing, but it's what I see stop a lot of companies because at some point, like, at some point, there's not enough marketing you can do to get sales. You have to let other people start to do the marketing for you. And that's going to be your super fans, your loyal customers, people like this. And the only way to do that is to either give is to give them a really amazing product, right? To go above and beyond. Again, that, that's not the sexiest stuff, but it's what some of the highest level people focus on. So one, one important note on the offer. Again, I just want to give an example of what we're doing. So with uh, Jeff, we're about to launch a $50 per month community right? Once they're in the community, our goal is to treat that like it's a $300 per month community. So we are going to spend extra for coaches, um, for moderators, stuff like this. That $50 a month thing is not going to be the most profitable thing because we're going to spend so much money on it. The goal is when they're in that, after they've been in it for a month, two months, three months, there's always an upsell where they can join something that's 300 bucks a month. And then after that, they can join something that's 500 bucks a month. After that is when we go into the higher ticket stuff for one to 3K a month. So our whole marketing strategy is get them into this $50 thing and deliver so much value that it's very easy to upsell them into the higher price stuff, which comes into the product. Okay, this is one of the things I'm most passionate about. One of my favorite dudes that I've met, I don't know if he's on here, it's uh, Kiri, right? He's this dude who goes and builds communities the right way, which is so smart because you cannot scale a bad product. And again, someone like Hormozy talks about this um, on and off. There are two things when it comes to product, which is one, the product itself. It's like, what are they actually buying? This is the quality of the course, the quality of the information provided, the clarity of it. It's just easy to implement. And when someone implements it, they get a result, right? That's common. But then the other side, which is untapped on, is experience, okay? Think of a restaurant, when you go to a restaurant, you go to a restaurant to eat food because you're hungry. So the first thing you're looking at is, do they have good food? In this case, do you have a good product? But there's also this other intangible, which is when you walk in, is the waitress smiling at you? Do they treat you with respect? Are they always there whenever you need a refill of water? You know, do they make you laugh? Do they uh, take your food back and say, don't worry about it. We'll get you something new or something wrong. That's experience. That's what everyone's lacking in business. They just give the product, but they don't have any experience. So let me give you an example of how we do it. When we close our VIP day, um, our product is we, you know, we'll show up, we'll give you the strategy, we'll help you execute all this stuff. Our experience is different. The moment the money hits, I am writing a handwritten personal postcard and sending it to their office saying, uh, hey, we're so excited to fly in next week. Can't wait to dive in with you. It's going to be a blast. It's just one little thing no one else does that shows we're like thinking about it beyond the money. The other thing we do is we have some high level people in our network. So we actually had LB, right? Legacy Builder, 
record a 30 second video for our client who just paid us. And the rough script was something like, Hey, my name is uh, LB. I'm this big guy on Twitter. I run this agency. Sam and Jeff just told me that you hired them, that you guys are about to work together. Oh man, you made an awesome decision. These guys are some of the real deal. If you want to blow up your brand, you're next. 30 second video. We just forward that video onto our client and nobody does this. It's all the experience. Again, I don't know. Oh yeah, Nick Peterson's here. This is what I got from him. It's called customers for life, which is like, there's all this messaging and stuff you need to do before the sale, but there's a lot of messaging that you also need to do after the sale. And the result of this is like getting him to say, damn, these guys are on another level. And it creates this kind of status positioning where he will go talk about us because we are now the value. It's like, oh man, you got to get to know these guys. They did this for me. They did that for me. Like it just creates that word of mouth effect. That's the second part of product. And that's probably the part that I love the most because it, cr it creates something unmeasurable. You can't control it. But when it starts to happen, it's very fun. It's very exciting. And it just feels good. I, I like that strategy uh, of how you used the video from LB um, as a way to reinforce that your client has made a good decision to work with you. So it's like a 10x uh, version of a testimonial, which, which I really like. Bro, it, and you know, I didn't even say why. It's like, once somebody, so once somebody buys, they go through a few emotional stages. It's like an emotional roller coaster. The biggest one is buyer's remorse. Like no matter what you're selling, someone will usually buy at the height of a positive emotion. The moment they give you the credit card details, they lose their power over you. And naturally the emotions start to subside and everybody, they start to think, oh, should I have done this? Like, was that the right idea? Stuff like this. The reason we do all this instantly after they pay is to minimize that kind of emotional buyer's remorse crash. Once we can minimize that, they start to get into action quicker. They're more excited to do this. They're more committed and bought in. And there's a few other points in the journey where if you can just help them kind of regulate their emotions as a buyer or a client, they just zoom straight. They listen to everything you do. They zoom to the result. They get the result. You maximize the positive emotion of that and they start to go share it with everybody. So that's why we do it. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. And at scale, this is like the conversation companies should be having. Like how do we just make the client experience so damn good that they can do all the marketing for us and we can like chill on the paid ads or something. I like that. Due to time, I do want to make some advancements, some other questions I had in mind. And that is funnel strategies. What do you advise is... Uh, the best model to go with there's so many out there and does it change uh, as you grow got it so i i can give a somewhat satisfying answer here um any funnel model you use will work and what i mean by funnel model is again do you uh do you have a gumroad sales page do you put a video on that page do you price it at 500 bucks or 100 bucks like all of these little tactical questions, do you sell over a newsletter or not? Like whatever combination you com can come up with, it will work. There's an example of someone who uh, has made it work and there's gonna be plenty of examples of people who made it work. So it's less about which funnel model is best or which offer model is best. It's about which one is best for you, right? A lot of people make the mistake of building something unsustainable because they're, they're building something that they could never sustain to begin with. 
Um, <clears throat> what I mean by that is me at the beginning. If you tried to make me go build a personal brand because that's like the future of marketing, I'm going to fail at that. And in fact, I did fail at that uh, about four different times. The reason is because although that's a good model, it doesn't fit my character or my personality. I was a shy, nervous, anxious person who was surrounded by people way better than me. So who am I to go put my voice out there, right? It's like someone like that, I would never advise them to go start a personal brand because they're just setting themselves up for, for like kind of torture, right? What I would advise them to do is like, okay, how can you go get the benefits of that without doing that yourself? And that's how I landed into this model of I'll go partner with the personal brand and I'll just be the dude behind the scenes so I don't have the stress of the spotlight and constant content creation every day. I can just kind of chill back and do what I do best. So it's really about understanding you. And so the way I always approach this is actually a few steps. I try to figure out what their goal is. That's number one. I figure out what their starting point is. That's number two. And then I figure out what someone's strengths and weaknesses are. A tangible example is you might be a strong writer and you might be terrible on video. If you're my partner, I'm going to be blunt and say, you should not be on YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok with your face on video because you're not good at it. And you don't need to do those things. You can just be on Twitter and LinkedIn, which you are good at. So that's one example, right? Um, you don't have to do Instagram and TikTok because everyone else is doing it and everyone says it's the future. Everything can work. People are still killing it on Instagram without doing video. You know, that's like old school marketing. So though, once I find out someone's strengths and weaknesses, it comes down to what is then our path? How, like the funnel model is almost last. And I give, I give a, a metaphor for this, which is we can, there's many ways to get to our goal that we described. We can hop on an airplane, okay? An airplane is expensive. The ticket's expensive, but we get there very fast. It's the fastest path we can take. However, there's going to be some turbulence along the way. So you must be ready for a little bit of emotional turmoil. If you can do that and you're willing to spend some money, boom, this is the path. Well, if you don't like that, we can take a car. A car is inexpensive. Um, we have full control. We can stop, get out, smell the roses, but it's going to take a long time. It's going to take days compared to the airplane. So if you're okay spending some extra time so it's like an easier journey, this is the path we're going to do. Or there are certain people, I call them the top 1%, it's like, we can take this yacht, okay? We're going to go get on this yacht. It's very fancy. Uh, there's a lot of status. Everyone's going to see you on the yacht, and they're going to be like, oh, man, I wish I was that guy on the yacht. It's going to take this weird detour. Like, it's not even efficient or effective, but it looks cool. So if you just want to look cool in the journey and you want that status, we can do this option. This is how I work with my partners to figure out what they want to do. So me and Jeff, we're very much in the realm of let's hop on an airplane and go through some stress because we just value speed over anything else. Um, yeah, that's one example. I like that, uh, Sam. Uh, that's a good way to go about it. And I like that you kind of pointed out something, which is focusing on what your strengths and weaknesses are, uh, focusing on your strengths rather, and understanding that you don't have to play into uh, all the weaknesses because right now when you're in the noise especially on twitter everyone's telling you what to do right and it's t they're telling you what worked for them but that doesn't necessarily uh won't necessarily be the same strategies that work for you and there's an abundant amount of strategies that have been proven that can work so i like the message that's, that's coming out of this as well i want to move on to something definitely actually sorry so go ahead i was, I was just going to say like i just want to emphasize that point because if there's something that stops people 
up to that 30 K a month mark. It's usually them not knowing themselves. They're, they're uh, building a system or a vehicle that is just not meant for them in the first place. For example, me, the agency model was never my game yet. I built the agency model and I hated it. So you can't scale something that you hate because you're going to start to sabotage yourself. Um, so the moment, so I, I quit all of my clients except like two of them and I cut my income in half and I was happy doing it. I was like, I was actually happier losing money than I was making it um, because I finally was getting closer to something I wanted. So that's like the most important thing. You got to be able to do this stuff every day. And if you don't like what you do, like it's not going to happen. I want to talk about, since the topic is scaling, right? I do want to talk about constraints and I know we've kind of touched upon systems, bro. Um, there was an analogy that you told me about in the DMs that I kind of wanted to hear more about. And that was the leaky bucket analogy. And anything else you want to mention on uh, constraints that you might have not touched upon? Perfect. So I know we got a few minutes, so I'll touch on both of these. Um, again, I got to give shout outs to Nick Pearson. He's the dude with the, the wolf picture. He's the guy who has pretty much taught me everything I know. So <clears throat> the leaky bucket is this concept that explains the backwards thinking people have when it comes to growing their business, a.k.a. scaling it. So imagine you have a water hose and the water hose is turned on full blast and it's pouring into a bucket. The metaphor here is like the water hose is like traffic. The bucket is like your business and how well you can handle all of that traffic. The issue is you have a bunch of holes in the bucket. And so the water is like pouring out of the bucket faster than you can fill it. <clears throat> this is what most people's businesses and strategies look like. They have a bunch of holes in it. Okay. But their mindset is like, oh, I'm not reaching my goals fast enough. I just need to turn. I just need more water. I need to turn up the, the water. So they turn up the water, which causes stress. It causes pressure. It takes energy. Yet, like uh, all the water is flowing through the bucket and they're net. It's it's like trying to run a race, but you're like on a treadmill and you're not going anywhere. So the backwards way to look at it is, hey, let's turn off this water hose for a second. You don't need more water, a.k.a. traffic. You just need to plug the holes in what you already have. Let's plug the holes in this bucket so that when we turn the water back on, you're now capturing and maximizing every ounce of traffic or attention or eyeballs you can get. So step one is always plug the holes in the bucket. Step two is then to turn on that faucet, that water hose to maximum capacity. And then step three is to go get another water hose and put it in, right? And so the other issue is I think people start to dilute their focus too much. They'll start to build on one platform and they'll start to build on two more a little bit too soon. It's like maximize your Twitter strategy and output first and then go off to the next platform. Um, that's the idea of the leaky bucket. This all leads to one of my favorite concepts, which I still toy around with today, which is about um, constraints, okay? Everybody thinks time is the most valuable resource I have come to believe that that's false. I believe energy is the most valuable resource instead. And so the idea, which will kind of hit everyone, is would you rather have one hour of pure focus or five hours of like half focus? Well, it's going to be obvious. Like give me one hour of like pure presence, pure focus, pure flow. And we need to hold this mentality amongst everything else. When it comes to scaling, it's never really a, you know, someone having a breakthrough in time, Right. If you're a ghostwriter and you hire another ghostwriter to do the work for you, everyone's like, oh, I'm going to save myself time. That time is not what you're getting. What you're getting is energy. You don't have to 
you don't have to expend that energy anymore. You now have the energy you need to go make a breakthrough into the next level. I think they call, call this like, what is it? Piercing through the next veil or the, the just having a higher, a, a higher force or a higher pressure. Like to break through the next level, you need enough energy focused into a singular point so you can have that breakthrough. And time has nothing to do with it. It's purely a moment of energy, an energy blast to get to the next level because then it takes way less energy to maintain that. Um, so every system, everything we do in business is to release and optimize for energy. The energy of the people running it, the energy of what matters, a personal brand. When I'm working with Jeff, I'm always optimizing for how can he have the most creative energy to go create more content. The better his content, the better our business. And so the better his content is if he's focused and in flow. So every system is built so he can stay in that flow. I like these analogies, man. Uh, I like the whole idea of focusing your energy onto one singular point. Um, I like the bucket analogy. I never even thought of that one before. And especially with spreading too thin, I'm definitely guilty of that too. You think, okay, I could just repurpose to other platforms, but the idea of focusing on one platform first is more ideal uh, based on the analogy and what you've shared with us. I wanna- Scaling to 100K a month is a very ambitious goal. There's this concept of you might be more happy earning six figures a month sorry, earning six figures a year, then you will be earning seven because with more money comes more, as Chris said, it responsibility. So if you're not, if you don't need to go to 100K a month, then I would, I would 100% recommend learning the skills of audience building and offer creation. You don't need to be good at them. That's the realization here. You don't need someone like me, especially if you can kind of create your own traffic and you're decent at making an offer you'll be fine without me. Um, if you do want to go this model, I know how to do everything. So I can build the funnel. I know the technology. I know which platforms to use. I know how to do API connections. I can do design. I know how to do video editing, all of it. And I know how to set up bank accounts, Stripe accounts, all this stuff. All of this goes into the pitch. Like my partners literally don't have to do a thing because I handle it all. It's a lot of work up front, but it pays off down the road. So <clears throat> yeah, that's my addition to that. V, thank you, man. I know you wanted to plug in what you're doing, um, Sam, and you want to tell people about how you're doing this for yourself as well. And a lot of people will benefit from that. So do you want to go off on that before we start wrapping up? Got it. Um, so yeah, like over the course of this space, I think I mentioned a lot, you know, I kind of answered that here and there, but <clears throat> the, the one way I'm doing this is I don't just talk from theory. I like to actually go apply this and do this. And so the reason I'm, I'm even building my own brand on Twitter is so one, I can understand what it means to be a creator. I've always been behind the scenes. I've always never wanted to deal with that stuff. But if I'm going to serve a creator market, which is what I'm doing with my partners, then I want to uniquely understand what it feels like and show people that I know the trials and the turbulences that we all go through. So, um, that's kind of why I'm actually on Twitter myself without anything to kind of sell. I'm not here to monetize the audience. I'm here to kind of take a Hormozy approach, this kind of whole, like, I don't have anything to sell you because I know down the road someday it may or may not pay out somehow. So if anyone is interested in that whole partnership model, which is, again, I'm biased, but just because I've seen a lot of success with it, even if you don't plan to go to 100K a month, but you just want to learn how to strike a business partnership with one other person 
where you have complementary skill sets where like life is easy because there's two people growing a thing rather than just yourself, you can feel free to DM me and I'd be happy to kind of chat with you on what that would look like for your situation. Amazing, Sam. I thought I'd try something different. And this is coming from, once again, Fabio's thread. So credit to him. I'm going to conclude this episode by giving you a quick reflection. So if you weren't here for the whole thing, you're going to get the key points. And I also want to say that at the end of each season, I do give away documents for free uh, with all the notes that I take from them, summarized and collated together for your pleasure and to learn and kind of worksheets that you can use from these. So we started off talking, the whole topic is all about scaling. And Sam has identified that scaling is a process and what you put in is what you get out. So that's one unit uh, equals one unit. But the trick is to find a way where you can make one unit equal 10. And the way we do this is there's three focus areas uh, and that is audience building, offers and referrals. If you go, this space is recorded so you can definitely go back and listen in on the details of all of those three. Sam also tapped into partnering with people who have the strengths that you don't have and taking advantage um, by having something to offer them and something that they can offer you. There's a few ways you can go about this. One is you can coach, you can, if you're a coach, you can partner with someone who has traffic. If you're a marketer, you, uh, you, you can partner with someone who's a marketer who can increase your conversions. You can partner with someone who's an operator or the integrator who has more technical background and can optimize and dial in on what's already working. Partnering with people should not be a one plus one equals two game. It should either 10x or 100x the outcome. We then moved on to stages on the journey to 100K. So from zero to 3K, uh, that is the beginning early phase. And Sam says that it's mostly about overcoming false beliefs and taking actions. And then moving from 3K to 10K, it's all about raising prices and dialing your, in your offer. If there's anything you need to know about offers, refer back to episode six that I've had with Sam. And you can find that in the link in my bio on the Spotify channel that I have. From 10K to 30K a month, you want to focus on targeted traffic and build a strong offer and take action. And then from there onwards, that's the easiest part. I put that in quotations, uh, which means you optimize your current funnels. And the analogy that Sam, Sam shared with us on that is the leaky bucket analogy, where you plug in the holes and areas that are taking away your time and your energy is lost on. So you start there, and then after you plug it in, you can dial in on the traffic sources that already work for you. And once you have a stabilized traffic source and pipeline, you can add another traffic source or expand to other platforms. In order to scale, you just need three things. Traffic, which can be paid organic or owned like an email list. So make sure you're building your email list from the early days. I'm definitely guilty of someone who hasn't done that properly. Then you have your offer and demand in the market, which can be done in three ways, starting with a done for you model, and that's your high ticket and then moving all the way down to a DIY uh, model, which is a product. And your product should be something that is a quality product that enhances the experience for your customer in a way that builds their confidence so that they take on your larger offer in the funnel. And when it comes to offer uh, funnel strategies, we talked about identify what your goals are and where you are at now, and then map out those strengths and weaknesses and choose to focus in on one area and dial in on that area every day. And part of scale, uh, the constraints that come with scaling is finding a way to hone in on the energy of focus so you get more out of one hour's work as opposed to four. That's a quick summary on today's episode. And before we start to wrap up, I do want to say that Sam is a complete beast. He shared so much value here. As you can see, I feel like I've done an injustice giving you um, a shortened version of those.
takeaways. Um, Sam is also building everything he's talking about in public on his Twitter account. So be sure to follow it and he'll teach you how to grow your personal brand uh, to 100K. Any final thoughts before I wrap up on the final thoughts, Sam? V, I have no more final thoughts. I just want to thank you for allowing me this platform. Man, I remember like, what was it, two months ago when we first did our space? One of the coolest things I've ever done. And you really gave me a passion for doing this stuff that I didn't really have before. So again, forever thankful for you. And especially everyone who asked the questions. We got Fabio, Sebastian, Alessio, Chris, Bronte, Nico. Um, I wish some more of these uh, familiar faces would have jumped up. But all is good. We'll chat in the DMs. And I got nothing else, V. I appreciate your kind words, Sam. And I also want to thank all the speakers who came up and kept with the memo. Really appreciate and respect that you understand how this works. And I think we also all benefited from that pattern. So I'm definitely keeping that up. That's all for today's episode. So thank you for joining me here, Sam. And thank you for all the insights you've shared with us. Thank you to all the listeners who've come in today. And if you enjoyed this episode, I always invite you to quote, retweet and share your favorite takeaways with both me and Sam. So we know you were listening. And a big thank you once again to everyone who listened in live. Your presence and engagement make these conversations more special. Stay tuned for our next episode, which is coming on Thursday. Uh, we'll delve into another exciting topic. Until then, keep striving for growth and success. And I'll see you all in the next one.